Back in the 1940s, this was the theme music for Coca-Cola. At that time, the main advertising market for products like Coke was in magazines. Happy people, happy families, refreshing drink. Almost never were those people African-American. Advertisers just didn't recognize African-Americans as consumers. 31-year-old Moss Hiles Kendricks, an African-American, set out to change that. Kendricks convinced Coke that African-American families had more spendable income coming out of the Second World War. He put together a series of advertisements showing African-Americans as consumers and, in his words, everyday people. The campaign was an enormous success just as the civil rights movement was beginning. Coca-Cola has the taste you never get tired of. Today on Stories and Strategies, despite clear successes and the importance of the voice, why are there so few African-American males in public relations? My name is Doug Dows. My guest today is Chuck Wallington, the Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing and Communications Officer at Cone Health. Hello, Chuck. Hello, Doug. How are you? I'm good today. Chuck, you're joining us today from Greensboro, North Carolina, home of, among many other things, the Civil Rights Museum, which is a pretty big deal down there. How are things in Greensboro? Things are going well here in Greensboro. Thank you for asking. We've got a lot going on just like everywhere else, but it, it, it's good here. Chuck, you have your master's degree in communications management from the SI Newhouse School of Public Communications at Syracuse University, a bachelor's degree in journalism from the School of Journalism and Mass Communications at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And in May, of 2021, you will complete your PhD in Leadership Studies from the College of Education at North Carolina A&T State University. You get new letters after your name. Next May. <laughs> yes, <I do. laughs> Nationally, Chuck, you also serve on the Institute for Public Relations IPR Board of Trustees, and you're an active member of the Arthur W. Page Society. You're on several boards locally, and you are an active member of the St. James Presbyterian Church. It was while you were pursuing your master's at Syracuse that you did your research, Barriers, borders, and boundaries, exploring why there are so few African-American males in the public relations profession. That research involved the assembly of the historical context here. Nothing starts with just a fresh slate. There's always a history, a, a past. Study the past to understand the present. Mm -hmm. Fill us in on that historical context, if you could. Be happy to. And again, I appreciate you inviting me to be here today. I've worked in the communications and marketing field for more than 30 years, Doug, and I've often wondered where are the people who look like me? And in particular, where are the African-American men in the field who look like me? And it really wasn't until I arrived on the campus of Syracuse, where I earned my master's a few years ago, that I really began to think seriously about the answers to this particular question. Fortunately, I had a really, really incredible professor by the name of Dr. Terry Flynn, who challenged me during a conversation that we were having very early on about that particular topic. And he said, Chuck, you really should research this for your master's work. And I am so glad that he challenged me to do that. And so it's when I conducted research that I learned that here in the US, if you look at data according to the US Bureau of Labor Statistics, men represent about 51% of 
of the field of public relations and other related services. Women are right behind men at 49%. But if you break those numbers out, of the total number of men, African-American men represent 5.9%, so roughly 6%, and African-American women, 4.7%. So really, 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 really small numbers out of the total. And just to put those numbers in perspective, the 51% male, that's, that's public relations and associated services, because we always Correct. talk about women being two-thirds to three-quarters of the number. That's okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, the trend is, is not only in the United States. Those are U.S. numbers. But according to the Public Relations and Communications Association, or the PRCA, its 2019 census, 3% of PR practitioners in the U.K., are black. I did find studies in Australia and Canada that label the industry as quote white dominated, but they don't offer any specific statistics. We are ultimately social beings that move um, in groups that we identify ourselves with, Chuck. Are there so few black men in public relations because there are so few black men in public relations and the answer is yes that that certainly is a contributing factor you know when i looked at my research and research from other scholars on this topic you know what comes out of this is that one of the reasons that there are so few african-american men in the field is because there are so few in the field and they don't get to play the role of role model or a coach or a mentor or a sponsor. And as you know, as human beings, we want that connection. We want to be able to look around and see someone who looks like us, who will coach us along the way and help us also be successful. And so when you don't have that, in the absence of that, it makes it difficult for people to enter the field and then stay in the field and do well and flourish. So that is definitely one of the major barriers. As you did your research, you also gathered some of that precious qualitative data by doing phone interviews. I think it was some 30, 32, 34, 32, 32 respondents. Could you share some of what you heard? You did those phone conversations yourself. What did you hear? I, I did. So 32 African-American males in the field here in the United States opened up their hearts and minds to me for this research. And I will always be indebted to them for doing this. Um, they really shared their journey, their professional journey, and what's shaped that journey. Interestingly enough, the men that I talked to range in age from 21 years old to 65 years old, and collectively, they had an average of 20.6 years in the field, right? So a lot of knowledge and a lot of wisdom there. And what I learned after listening to these folks about their journey is that there are a number of wide-ranging barriers that prevent folks from entering the profession and ultimately being successful folks, African-American men. And here's what they said. So among those barriers, there's the following. One's a lack of knowledge and understanding among African-American males in high school and in college about what the profession is all about. For many young men, they perceive being a sports agent as what we do in the field of strategic communications. And yes, that is a piece of it, and there is so much more that goes along with it. So just a sheer lack of understanding about the field itself. Secondly, 
there's the barrier of being an African-American male in a white female dominated profession that still has strong influence by white males. And, you know, that dynamic plays itself out in a number of very different and interesting ways. Third, there's a lack of African-American male colleagues for support and friendship. So once you get into the profession, there's no one who looks like you who can help you um, understand the landscape, understand the politics, or someone that you can just go to and say, I just experienced this. Is it just me or is it odd or should I be concerned? So, so that is a barrier. The other we just talked about, so not having role models. So folks who can not only show you what to do to advance your career, but you can glean and learn from them along their way. So there are so few of them. Uh, the last one that I'll mention is having colleagues who are intimidated by African-American men in the workplace. And so that intimidation, according to these 32 that I spoke to, ranges from color of skin, your height, perhaps you have a deep and commanding voice, any number of those factors come into play. And what the research shows is that people can be intimidated by that. And so these African American men have to figure out how do I work through that? It's the way the good Lord created me. And how do I embrace it? Because it's who I am. And what do I do about people who feel a bit intimidated by my very, very presence? So those are some of the themes that emerged from this research in terms of overarching barriers, Doug. What, given all that, what, what got you into the industry then, Chuck? What, if, did you have a role model? Um, was it something else? Why did you pursue this path? Doug, that's a great question. I kind of stumbled into the profession. I started out as a newspaper reporter. Um, I'm, I'm the kid who knew when he was in the third grade that I wanted to be a newspaper reporter. And so all of my life, I, I worked on school newspapers and things like that. I was editor of the high school newspaper. Um, my undergraduate school, I specifically selected because it has an incredible school of journalism. And so I've always known that's what I wanted to do. And I did. So um, when I graduated from University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, I was fortunate to have five job offers for summer internships that could be converted into full-time jobs if everything worked out. And so the long story short is I was able to do that. And so I worked for about a year or so as a reporter and enjoyed it and learned a whole lot about the field of journalism and reporting in particular. And I got a call from a headhunter one day while sitting in the newsroom and she was recruiting for an entry level corporate communications professional. And she said, you come highly recommended. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. I'm 22, 23. How highly recommended could I be? And um, I flew in for the interview. Actually, there were two series of interviews. I flew in and I was being offered a job. And so that's how I ended up leaving the field of, of print journalism and going into strategic communications. And I have never looked back. And I've used my skills as a reporter and I use them every day um, as, I, as I come into work and I do strategic communications and marketing now. So that's how I got into the field. It was quite by accident. And, and I choose to believe the good Lord has a pathway for all of us. And I am just following through on that career path that he has for me. I won't put you on the spot to ask who gave you the recommendation, but did you ever find out who gave you the recommendation and did you pay it back or have you paid it forward? 
I did. So I found out later it was someone who worked in the field of communications whom I admired from afar, an African-American female. And when I moved to, um, to Dallas, Texas, which is where I was working, um, I sent her a thank you note and a copy of my updated resume and said, this is where I am. Um, and I would just love to stay in touch. And I never heard back from her, but I found out later through the recruiter that the recruiter had a conversation with this person. And she said, well, I happen to have the resume of someone here who looks pretty good. Maybe you should give him a call. So yes, I did find out and absolutely I have paid it forward. I, I try every time I am having conversations with people, particularly young people, to encourage them and to inspire them. Um, and when I know that there's a fit for someone who might be looking for a job, I try very, very hard to make sure that I make those same connections. And those who, who are in leadership positions so often pay it forward a lot, a lot of times. Has there been an African-American leader, and let's, let's say male, because that's the topic of discussion, has there been one who has stood out for you? Yes, yes. I worked for American Express prior to coming to Cone Health, my current employer, um, and I worked there for a number of years. And when I was there, Ken Chenault was the CEO of American Express. And I don't know if you know anything about Ken, but Ken is an incredible leader who in and of himself can inspire people to move mountains. Um, and I had the privilege of working at American Express during his tenure, and I got to watch him in action. And never mind the fact that he is an African-American male, he's just a very talented and very smart and very savvy business person. And I've always enjoyed watching him lead. And I watched him lead through some very, very difficult times for, for American Express and frankly for the United States. So I watched him lead through the very tragic events of 9-11 um, and that was of particular importance and impact to American Express because the American Express headquarters in New York is right across the street from the World Trade Center. So um, that's another story, another conversation for another day, but there was just the whole impact of, of that, not only to American Express employees there, but across the, the US. So I watched him lead through that and I watched him lead through the 2008 um, uh, stock market uh, crash and all that good stuff when um, when we were experiencing some turbulence here in, in the United States. And so I watched him lead through that. And what I always remember that Ken would talk about is he would say, you know, my job as a leader is to define reality and to give hope. And I watched him do that when things were really, really low and when things were really, really high. Let's listen to some of Ken's words. Uh, he's now the chair of General Catalyst, a former CEO at American Express, though. Uh, this is a clip from an online address he gave in June of 2020 at the Barron's Investing in Tech conference. Now, some of you might ask, Ken, as a CEO, and you were African-American, you obviously did not feel the impact of racism. That is absolutely not the case. Throughout my life, I felt the stings of racism and discrimination. What's also very important is in my private life, even as CEO, the one obstacle I could not overcome was the color of my skin. And I'm very proud to be an African American. But I am reminded 
on a regular basis of the differences in treatment. So I think what's very important is that there's a conversation that is taking place. The business community must recognize its responsibilities to eradicate racism and to close the gap on racial inequality. Systemic racism is real. I, I feel like Ken is, is giving a clarion call from his own point of view and his own experiences to the world in which we live, which is he is acknowledging that it does not matter that he is um, a gifted leader and an accomplished leader, he is still viewed at the end of the day as a black male. And he says it himself, he says systemic racism is real and he acknowledges that. And he also talks about how you have to seize the moment and bring about real change. And that is what he is encouraging folks to do. Um, and that's really at the heart of all this. So until the hearts and minds of human beings, men and women, until those hearts and minds are changed, there will never be any real change in this country, in this world. Things will always remain as they are. And that's sad because we are better than that as a people. We're better than that as a nation. We're better than that as a world. And I think that's what Ken's asking us to do, to acknowledge that there are clearly problems, that racism is real. The real question, though, is and what are the collective we going to do about it? And it can't just be Black people alone fighting for this. It has to be everybody fighting for what is truly right for the people who were created by the good Lord to inhabit this earth. And we have provided a link to Mr. Chenault's full address in the show notes to this episode. You're a communications executive, uh, so I'm speaking your lingo here when I say the call to action, and you touched on this, that this isn't one grouping of people based on the color of skin acting or, or speaking out. This is a full collective speaking out, but for leaders in particular, and let's say those who hire public relations and marketing professionals, comms pros, us, what's the call to action for those leaders? You know, Doug, the call to action is quite simply to take action. It is to not sit around and wonder, what am I supposed to do? The answer is you have the power, you have the authority make things happen. And it starts quite simply with acknowledging that there is a problem. Uh, it starts quite simply with looking around and saying, do I have a diverse workforce? Do I have a diverse team of people that I directly lead or that I influence? If the answer is yes, then great. But if the answer is no, then are you going to lead by example by insisting that the first place to start is with a diverse slate of candidates? And then the second place to start is if all things are equal, give a nod then to the diverse candidate coming in. And remember, diversity, yes, is skin color, it's ethnicity. It's also diversity of thinking, it's diversity of background, it's diversity of any number of things. And the call to action is to be open to all of that, to be willing to see just how great your department, your team, your organization, your community, our world could be if we embraced everyone's differences as opposed to shunning those differences or being, being intimidated by them. So that's the call to action. And it starts with each and every one of us. Chuck, it was great getting together with you today. Thank you.
Thank you, Doug. The pleasure was mine, and I appreciate you inviting me. If you'd like to send a message to my guest, Chuck Wallington, best way to do that is through the communications department at Cone Health in North Carolina, marketing at conehealth.com. And I can tell you firsthand, they are pretty quick to respond. If you liked what you heard today, we're hoping you choose to subscribe to Stories and Strategies and receive updated episodes automatically. Also hoping you choose to follow and rate this podcast on any directory you're listening on. And would you do us a favor, as always, wherever you are, recommend this podcast to one friend. If you have an idea for an episode or you just want to tell us something, send us a note at info at jgrcommunications.com. Thanks for listening.